dead air. All right. Good evening. This is uh, I'm Bill, <laughs> and I'm Haley, and this is episode two of Bored to Death, um, a podcast where we discuss board games, card games, tabletop games, and stuff like that that we've played over the years. And my lack of experience with all of them. <laughs> and um, at the end, we talk about a Haley regales us with a murder mystery. I have to kind of guess whether the husband did it. It's or... not a murder mystery, so to speak. It's it's a true crime. It's a telling of a true crime because if you say murder mystery, the connotation is that it's a mystery. To it's me. a well, it's definitely a mystery to you, but the connotation is that it's made up. Yeah. And every story I'm ever gonna tell on this podcast is 100% true. Yes, and most likely will be from Texas because. The concrete dries faster. The trucks are bigger. The podcasts are longer. <laughs> so, and we do all this while drinking the cheapest thing possible. At least I do. Yes, I mean, I'll I'll drink cheap stuff, but uh, mm. not always not always the worst thing on hand because we always have something terrible on hand. Yeah, generally speaking. Yeah. So we started nerding together. I don't know, like five or six years ago, and just most recently, a couple in the last couple of years, we've really started kind of keying into this stuff. So what are you what are you drinking tonight? So tonight, Bill, I am drinking possibly, arguably, my favorite go-to cheap white wine. Um, and if you know me at all, you've probably seen me drink this alcohol, uh, and it's called Matua. Uh, it is a Sauvignon Blanc from Marlboro. 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 Ma <laughs> it's from New Zealand. Yeah. And if you guys don't know anything about wine at all, that's fine. But here's a fun little tidbit. If it's from New Zealand, it's probably pretty good. Yeah. So if you don't know what wine to get, shoot for something from New Zealand. I guarantee it's pretty good. Yeah. It won't disappoint. Yeah. Because we've had a lot of wine in New Zealand and here too that's also from new zealand it's super good so what are you drinking tonight bill i'm drinking champagne he, bill's having champagne be yeah. more specific please i'm having the champagne of beers miller high life because i like <laughs> i like to taste the high life every now and then i mean it comes in a clear glass bottle it's got a strumpet on a crescent moon it looks like a 40 of malt liquor yeah it's delicious that's cool it's amazing yeah oh and it says it expired december 21st 2020 Whatever, it's still We all good. did. Yeah. <laughs> we all expired on December 21st of 2020. Speaking of which, I want to mention one thing. Because 2020 was the year of the panorama, uh, or at least in the United States. And Bill and I, it's very exciting news. Bill and I got our second vaccine today. Yeah, it's awesome. And Bill feels totally I feel, fine. I feel great. I, however am a little um uh i don't know wonky i guess i i i'm if i seem low energy tonight it's because the the vaccine is working so uh hooray for not dying we're super pumped about that pretty jazzy yeah so let's get into it all right so tonight we are talking about lord of the rings strategy battle game i always thought it was lord of the rings battle strategy game no no, no not strategy all. battle game yes strategy battle game also known as middle earth strategy battle game as yes. it's been rebranded so 
for those of you not in the know, which no one is, and our one listener probably isn't. So hi Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> so it's <laughs> hi game, Pete. Hi yeah. Pete and Shell. That's yeah, it. Yeah. So it's a it's a game uh, that's published by a company called Games Workshop, based out of Nottingham in the UK, and. When the movies came out back in the early 2000s, Games Workshop signed a license and they got on the, the money train. And they had people coming in and buying like all these, like this tabletop miniatures game. I mean, Lord of the Rings in the early 2000s was, was on like, fire. it was on fire. It was the Bitcoin of. Yes. The early then. 2000s. That's correct. Yeah. Of, that's correct. Yeah. That's right, Bill. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, selling out like crazy. Games Workshop didn't really do a whole, do a whole lot with it. It kind of died off, and now they're kind of bringing it back. So, my mom shipped twenty seven boxes <laughs> of stuff to this poor lady uh, who was driving from her office I in can't North Carolina. You're telling them this. Oh yeah, down to Houston. She dropped off all this crap. I mean, including like my baby pictures and stuff like that. We've but she, we've I, had some emotional roller coasters. Yeah. But sifting through it, I found these models from like high school, and I was like, oh my god, that's right. I didn't realize that like, these were the models that you had. Oh yeah, you know, you're right. You did tell me that. Yes. That you've had those since high school. Yeah, and so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna bury this hatchet. I'm actually gonna paint these friggin' things. It's yeah. been. 10, 15 years, you know, since I've had them. Uh, so I started painting them up, and then I just casually asked Taylor, I was like, hey, like, would you want to play this game, you know? I mean, and for me, the allure was, I mean, you can pretty much get me to do anything if Lord of the Rings is somehow attached to it, right? Like, if there's some kind of pill or, you know, say if it was a Lord of the Rings vaccine. Hallucinogen. I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> You can get me to do just about anything as long as there's some sort of Lord of the Rings attachment to it because I absolutely love the story. Um, you know, I'm not going to say I'm like a Tolkien expert, but uh, I absolutely adore Lord of the Rings. So when you asked me to play, I was, I'd say I was reluctant because it's like one of those tabletop games that takes up an entire actual table, like yeah. a dinner table. And um, you have to, like, move your pieces one by one. You have a ton of pieces. And you have to move... You have to, like, measure how far they go. Yeah, with an actual tape measure. Yeah. Bill just burped. Sorry. We are drinking, so yeah. that is... A, that's high life. It, it, yeah, it's burping up the high life. Yeah. So it's, a, so it's a tabletop miniatures game where the miniatures are all 28 millimeter scale, meaning that they measure... Somewhere around 28 millimeters, which is about uh, about like an inch, inch and a half, something like that. Like Frodo's like three quarters of an inch. An Urukai is like an inch and a quarter, whatever. But so as Haley said, you have... An orc, for those of you who are laymen in this conversation. Yeah, an orc. Urukai, it's, an, it's a super orc. Yeah, super there you orc. Go. Really jazzy orc. A jazzy orc. And they, uh, so in the, as Haley said, you have like, in some cases, like you have like a dozen, maybe like two or three dozen of these per each side. And the game runs in a series of phases, so it starts by each person rolls a dice, and whoever rolls highest has priority for that round, so they get to go first. That's you, all that means. When you have priority, that means you, you get, get to, to go, go first. first. <laughs> so every every round is different. It's not like you take turns in, a thema- in, a, in an exact order. Sometimes you could almost have back-to-back turns. A lot of these games are based on chance, right? Like yeah. a lot of tabletop games dice are rolls. just dice rolls, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to, it's like Dungeons and Dragons. It's like... You just do whatever the dice tell you to do. Yeah, and in this case, it's like a six-sided die or a d6, and you you take it in turns moving the, die the models. Were, the die we're all familiar with. Yes, 
and you you take it in turns moving models. So like I'll move all my guys. Haley will then move all of her her jazzy jazzy orcs, and then we'll I will shoot. Haley will shoot with her ranged weapons, and then it's the the juicy meat and potatoes. Arrows. Yeah, hand to hand combat, <laughs> right? So that's where you know like slashing at each other with swords yeah. and shields and all that crap. And then there's a fourth round. It's called like using your magic and spells and stuff. Like if you have Gandalf, like the the dude with the t- pointy top hat, magic hat, the jazzy hat. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you he's a real jazzy, uh, you know, wizard. Yeah. So it's, but we have never played with the magic rules because they're. I don't even really understand, and I don't have the patience. For yeah. That. So, and that's one thing I really like about this game is that. Um, well, I mean, any game really, and I think all of the neckbeards out there are gonna get really pissed off when I say this. You can play any game however the fuck you want. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, like no one's no one's policing how you play these games right so like we can play however we want right so it's like okay even if you're supposed to do like a magic round we just don't we're like we just don't because we're playing in our backyard yeah it, no one's watching we're just kids or having holding fun. a gun to our yeah we're just kids we're just a couple of kids we're a bunch of kooky kids yeah <laughs> having fun so there's two ways to really play the game one is doing it through a thematic um, you know, you have scenarios like from the movies and from the books and stuff like that. Which is and, my favorite. Which is, and that's how we first played it. The other version is you actually have like war bands, uh, which much let fewer models, like six to eight models per side. And the game usually is played on a smaller area. And We've it, done that too. Yeah. And yeah. they usually go a lot, a lot quicker. Um, so last year during quarantine, this was our, our quarantine project. Well, this was like my nerdy quarantine project, I should say. I got almost a hundred uh, models yeah. primed, like built, primed with like a base coat, painted, and then based. Meaning I put like flock and all that crap, like graph, fake grass, on the models themselves. And we actually played six scenarios. So we played from the movies. There's the burning of the Westfold. Mm. Like if you've ever seen the Two Towers, that's the scene where like all those like black-skinned orcs are coming to butcher those white-skinned farmers. I mean, a little racist overtones. Well, I mean, the, a lot of things that happen in Tolkien's universe are like based around races. So yeah, I so mean, like the orcs are coming to burn Rohan, the, the horse people, the humans, the humans, and so that's burning the Westfall. That was the first game we played. Yeah, and that was the that like that was the one scene in the movie that like pre and post child, I was like, because I think different. that's probably that. We probably played the Burning of the Westfold first because it was like such an emotional moment for me when we watched it after I gave birth. Because there's that one part where the mother puts her two children on the horse. And she's like going to die. And and the kids are like, no, mommy, we want you to come with us. And she's like, you'll go faster if there's just two of you. And she sends them to like survive on their own so that she can, I don't know, somehow fight off orcs or like at the Run very away. least get her children safe. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, Peter Jackson. So you I was did like, it again. I was like, and then, and then ironically, I end up playing the Urukai. Yes. <laughs> I found that to be very ironic. Like I thought you were going to be the good guys. You're usually no, the good I guys. No, I don't. No, I don't like being the good guy. I like being the bad guy. That's true. I like playing the Urukai. I like... Which is... I feel like I... I like to... Because it's, like, different than what I am in my real life. That is true. And playing the Urukai, like the orcs, that's like... They're badass. They're badass. It's like playing the game on easy mode. I had a a tough time of it. 
You but, did. Uh, I kicked your butt pretty <laughs> yeah, much every did. time we played. It's, I think you won like three of the six, four of the six scenarios. But so the first one we played was the burning of the Westfold. Yeah. And I had to like rush my guys in and try to like rescue villagers and all that crap. Um, I won that one though, and then I lost like the next all everything else. The next one was the ambush. Where from the two towers, that's where the, the Rohirrim ambushed the orcs. That was one you beat me. No, you beat me. Oh, I beat you? Yeah, because you got Marion Pippin off the board. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. So, like, her orcs... Dirt, dirty her or- hobbits. Yeah, her orcs, their objective was to get the two hobbits away off of the table's edge of our And we pretended area. like they were on... Like, Marion Pippin were on their backs. Yes. That's right. Because I had models for them. Um, then Fords, Fords of Eisen... Yes. I actually made like a little river section that looked like crap, but it got the job done. Yeah. And I set up in a defensive position and you still beat me. There was only like two places where you could cross the river because it was flowing so quickly and her orcs just slashed through. Then we played the Helm's Deep. That was the best. Yeah, that the pièce possessed de resistance. I don't know what I can't even say it correctly, but it, it was dope fucking dope it was so awesome yeah, like, like i built castle sections uh, the, out of the, foam. the uh the grand ram that that <laughs> you remember what i used for the grand ram yeah a crayola marker i had a brown because <laughs> i am a teacher so i have all of these markers <laughs> saved up so i was like what would be something that's like remotely the same size as, as the a battering gr- ram as a battering ram well that's i mean a battering ram is dependent on whoever's using it, I guess. But the one in the movie is enormous. I mean, it's but that's called from the, the Return of the King. That's that's from the Return of the King. Yeah. What am I? Why did why was there a ram in it then? It's a battering ram. That's just a that's just a term. No, I understand that, but it's not in um, the Two Towers. No, they just literally use just like a wooden ram. No, what I'm there at the Battle of Helm's Deep. I don't remember the. Oh, he's yeah yeah. There was. I forgot. I didn't want to say anything, but you no. called it, you called it Grom again, so my bad. I just I my my memory did not serve me well. I, I apologize. You my, should. You should feel bad. Once again, my lack of knowledge in all things prevails. Yeah, but we used a battering ram, a little Crayola. We marker. used a marker. We used yeah. a little brown marker. Yeah, so to first, be the battering <laughs> ram. So first we did the deeping wall though, and that was when you had to get your suicide dude with a little the little torch that was run towards so the culvert. Cool. <laughs> I had it. We had that. You made that model of the yeah. the suicide bomber yeah. guy, and and he was he was badass, and yeah, it was it. so fun. I hit him with I hit him like six times, and he didn't die. Just like in the fudging movie. Yeah. That really pissed me off. <laughs> You killed Legolas, and it was just great. It was horrible. Did I kill Legolas? Yeah. You, like, beamed him right in the face, like, in the first turn with an arrow. Just an off stray arrow. You're right. I did kill Legolas, but I yeah. was not able to kill Gimli or Aragorn. or Aragorn. Yeah, that was dope. So, like, yeah, Orlando Bloom's just, like, taking a stroll around on the wall, and all of a sudden he gets... Beamed. Ganked. Ganked right in the head. Ganked. Yeah. So, you won that one, and then... Uh, then so fun. And then there was the battering ram, the gatehouse yeah. scenario. You won that one. Yeah. And then, I think that was it. Yeah, you won. I mean, and then we've played skirmishes yeah, we quite played. a bit. We, you know, when, whenever you, like, very sweetly come into the room while I'm watching some stupid reality TV show or, like, my murder documentaries or, you know, whatever dumb thing I'm watching on TV, and you'll come in and be like, do, do you want to play with me? Hey, I'm really bored. Can we play? <laughs> Can we play Can a game? Play? And I'm like, ugh. 
fine. <laughs> Go get it set up, and I'm not going to help you take it down either. And I want to... <laughs> it's true. God, I'm so awful. But, oh. like, here's... Let me explain something about being a mother, okay? When that little baby, that precious little angel, falls asleep, all mm. I want to do is, like, not be touched, drink wine, watch shitty TV... Or read a great book and just be left the fudge alone. And uh, even if it's something fun like playing a game, right? Like, I love it when we start playing, right? But it takes all of my energy to stand up out of my comfy chair and, like, walk to wherever we're playing. Whether that be at the kitchen table or outside at our at our table outside. Yeah, and then, like, you'll be on your phone. I'm like, hey. <laughs> yeah, because I'm trying to, like, do that thing where I'm like, I have secret alone time. Shh, leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, so what do, you, what do you like? I mean, we're actually honestly pretty close to the end of this. I mean, I could talk forever about this game. But... Well, so that's the thing. Like, this game um, has a lot of rules. It has a lot of ins and outs. There's a lot of, like, stats to remember or write down and record for literally each individual model that you're playing, right? For the war bands, the smaller scale one, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and we keep track of that. Like, we remember who died or I who do. got, you do. Well, there's record somewhere. Yeah, I'm the Sherpa. Like janitor, I said, there's paperwork. The scribe, <laughs> the game scribe. I'm every. But I'm basically, um, the reason I like this game, number one, first and foremost, like I've already said, is that it's like a retelling of your favorite story, right? Like, so I get to kind of like replay the movie in my head or I get to like play with these little models that that I just love. Like my favorite, and every time I tell people this, they give me that awkward like, that's so funny kind of like look on their face. But my favorite character in the entirety of the Lord of the Rings is the mouth of Sauron. And if you don't know who the mouth of Sauron is, he is the scariest, creepiest character in the entire, like, in all of the movies, yeah. I would argue. Hands like, down. Like, so like weird. You, we, you can talk all day about how creepy Gollum is, but, like, the mouth of Sauron is what you will see in your nightmares. That's terrifying. It's, like, Silent Hill level, like, creepy and gross. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's yeah. amazing. And, and I just think, in general, I love... Tolkien's mind and like just like the creation of this like really creepy character um I y you will see him um before the battle like the the battle at Mordor you'll yeah. you see him right before they start I mean if you're not familiar with the movies or who I'm referring to he basically comes out to greet Aragorn um the men of the west the men of the west yeah. he comes out to to meet the men of the west and and he basically says like ha 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 we killed um, Sam and uh, well they just think they don't they don't know about Sam yeah so they they're like ha ha we killed Frodo like here's this like here's his chainmail to yeah. prove it and and they're all like shitting their pants when they see that um, and he like he's just like what you would see in like your he's nightmare fuel and that's why I love him yeah and so you made me or you got me you bought me. Which I, because I wanted it so bad, Bill went and found. He's give, he has the most smug look on his face right now. He went and found me like a model of the mouth of Sauron, and he sits on my desk 
every single day. Yes. And I painted I love him. him. And I love him. And I painted him up. You painted him Real up. Big you time. Put, you put little tufts of grass I did. on him. Some skulls. He's beautiful and I love him. Earth. And I will cherish him forever. Yeah. Because he's he, gorgeous. He makes me feel things. And <laughs> I love I love him. Yeah. So that's so first and foremost, that is why I like the game because I get to talk about Lord of the Rings. I get to imagine being in Lord of the Rings. I get to do that whole spiel, right? Uh, I also really like, um, I, I guess, like just imagining fighting in these kinds of scenarios. I guess the, the biggest reason I like this game is that it has a lot to do with just like imagination. Yeah, absolutely. Like being able to pretend for a little while. So I don't mean to interrupt you, real, but like real quick, we should probably backtrack a little bit. Like, so it's a tabletop war game. Again, like just to reiterate, so there are like a ton of like little tiny, like inch like little inch inch and a half high miniatures on little round bases that you then move and like okay. move them around the tabletop over this 3d battlefield that you've created and that could be anywhere from like an amazing you know tabletop terrain that i make that's correct i'm amazing that's right bill <laughs> or it could just be like stacks of books or whatever you know you're the sky's the limit the world's your oyster but right it's more fun when you have that kind of terrain because Think about like when you, I mean, it kind of brings you back to when you're a kid, right? Like the nostalgia of like playing in a dollhouse or like having little army men and like playing in your front yard, like on a battlefield. Like it's, it's, yeah. it, the more, uh, the more realistic you've made the terrain, the more fun it is to engage with, I guess. I'm glad you said that because I've never heard you say that before. So that's awesome. Uh, well, you bust your ass on mm -hmm. these terrains and these buildings and these little, these models. Like, uh, I mean, and we can go into, little we can talk about this forever, buddy. but <laughs> periodically, by the way, we're going to make references to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because that's pretty much how we communicate with one another. Yeah. Uh, so if we make any sort of weird reference, it's, um, if you get it. Great. You're if not, amazing. I'm sorry. It's bad radio. Yeah, it's it's bad radio. But you know what? This is our podcast, and it's not yours. So, <laughs> shut up. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jeff. You don't have to shut up. No, I'm I'm totally kidding. But um, I guess the other thing I really like, and then I'm gonna let you answer, oh, no, you is that in the games you grow up playing, particularly mm -hmm. games where you have like a little piece mm -hmm. and it moves across a board, right? Mm -hmm. It goes you have no choice in where the pieces go. Yes. Right? They just, there's a natural progression of where the game goes and that's just they, the end of it. They move a number of spaces and that's it. That's correct. And what's great about this, this game, is that you have to decide. You have to make decisions about where these pieces are going to go. Tactically. 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 <laughs> make that as guttural as you can. <laughs> oh man i actually sound like a guy i played warhammer That's the with worst. <laughs> god That's i couldn't the most awful thing yeah i lost to this guy on purpose because i just wanted to get away from him i could not stand stand the sound of his voice but anyway that is why i like that game good How, why do you like this game bill what do you not like about it <sighs> the setup like waiting for you. I don't do, I don't, the, like I have nothing to complain about because I don't help. I'm not helpful. I don't, I don't help you set up. I don't help you clean up. I don't record 
So I like I write down what you tell me to write down after we've done. And I'm like, please write this down. And you're like, what? I'm like, please write this down. Oh, okay, hold on. I like how when you're when you're saying that you're like mimicking me being on my phone. Not always on your phone. So, um, I I guess the setup. If there's a lot of setup yeah. for a short game, right? Like we'll play for like 20 minutes. Yeah. 20, 30 minutes. And like yeah, 20, 30 minutes with the skirmishes, right? Like I think yeah. the longest we've played is like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Like the bigger, like the bigger games. Yeah. Like the, the scenarios for the, you know, the siege of Helm's Deep. That was, those were like hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. Those were like definitely Rowan's gone to sleep. And not only, only is he asleep, he's like, He's not waking up. Yeah, right. Like, we medicated him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We don't do that. Nope. We really don't. I'm just joking. No, yeah. Um. So talk to me why you like it. About why you like it. So you have no complaints. I mean, okay. Zero gripes. Okay, my gripes really have more to do with, like, when the playing occurs. It has more to do with, like, do we always play when I want to play? No. But there's really nothing that I have to actually complain about the game itself, right? Once again, all of my complaints really have to do with my just bad attitude. Sour attitude. Yeah, well, like, uh, interfering with my introverted time, right? Because we're both super introverted. It manifests in different ways. Yeah. Our introvertedness. My introvertedness literally, like... It, like, it so takes f- away time from me. That is correct. You laugh, but that's absolutely 100% factual. Like whenever people are like, oh no, like we have to quarantine and be away from a million people for the rest of our lives. I'm like, oh, I guess we were excellent. Social- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I guess we were social distancing this whole time. We just didn't know <laughs> We've it. been social distancing since 2012. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but th- that's, I don't have any complaints, right? Like. It's really just, um, I guess, my complaint is going to be no one else's complaint. Um, It's complicated. Or it's as complicated as as you want it to be, I guess. Right? Like, so there's things to remember, right? There's things that you have to write down. There's things you have to, like, the game doesn't necessarily ever have to end. Do you know what I mean? No. Well, like, in our skirmishes, where we have, like, we keep track of the stats of certain dollies. Like experience points. Experience points. Yeah. And that stuff. So, like, pluses and minuses. I like it because it's it's fun to imagine. Imagination. Yes. Super fun, right? Yeah. I love the artistry. I love, you know, Urukai, period. Uruk fries. Oh yeah, our new our one of our favorite restaurants here in Houston. Uh, it's called the Hobbit Cafe, and it's amazing. And we'll talk about that at a later date. I feel like because we don't have time, but they serve Uruk fries. Yes, like Uruk eyes. Delicious Uruk fries. You are delicious, (laughs) but you are bad for me. (laughs) (laughs) You give me heart attacks. Yes, which are terrible. Anyway, so you have no you have no complaints. I don't, I don't have I really don't have any complaints okay. other than the fact that I just have a terrible bad attitude sometimes. Yeah. Well, in the interest of moving this. Do story, you have complaints? I I got some gripes. How much time you got, lady? And our our producer you get, our producer you know Frank what? our producer Frank is telling us to 
to speed things up here. <laughs> I tell you what, just like you said to me the other day, you get 30 seconds. Yeah. Okay. Go. And All I'm right. going to interrupt you the entire time. <laughs> All right. So the things I like is that I like, okay, I like rendering in 3D basically like the movies. Like, it's awesome. And and the game is an You can recognize the, the dollies for which characters they are. Yeah, the models. Like, they look like the everyone in the movies. That is it's, correct. It's awesome. So even if you've never read the books, if you've only ever watched the movies like an idiot, <laughs> then you can... I'm just kidding. If it, yeah. If but, they're okay, if you're Gen Z, uh, it's you're, it's excusable, right? Yeah. Like if you've been born after the year 1995, like it's excusable. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just kidding. So like. But anything if, before that, you're there's no in excuse. breach of contract. Yeah. So if you you know even if you've only ever watched the movies, you can actually identify like holy crap, like this little tiny model looks just like that dude. Which is just fun. Yeah. It's just, it is fun. It's, it's just fun. So, um, you know, I get to, you know, we get to recreate major scenes from the movies and it's right here in tiny, teeny, tiny miniature, right? Mm -hmm. It's like everyone likes model trains just in terms of like, everyone likes looking at a model train setup, right? Just once like, hey, that's kind of cool. Like they're not obsessed with it or anything like that, but they're fun to look at, right? Yeah. So imagine taking Lord of the fucking Rings and and making making it it tiny. Okay. That's that's badass. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, so there's something to like about it, right? Help it's, me think of the. It's, it's the, aesthetically pleasing to the eye. That, right. Yeah. So I just even. I like, like that example, that metaphor. That's a cool metaphor. Yeah, and that's why I, I. That's why I spend all this inordinate amount of time painting little dollies and. I love it. Making terrain because it's like world building, right? Like I get to physically create whatever is in my imagination and make it 3D. That's. Really cool. And I have to tell you, one of our friends told us today that they were surprised at how nerdy you are. And (laughs) because, as you will all remember in the first episode, I said my husband is a very objectively good-looking man. He doesn't look like the average neckbeard basement-dwelling guy. The comic book collector. The collector from from The Simpsons. (laughs) Like that is the arc, the archetype. The archetype, yeah. So you look nothing like that, right? You're none whatsoever. You're amazing, but um, it's very kind of you. So when he said that he was surprised by the fact that how nerdy you are, it's my favorite part about you, and I've said that to you many times. Like, is this is this podcast going to be under marriage and family counseling? Hashtag hashtag marriage <laughs> hashtag marriage. I don't marriage good stuff. Marriage, I don't know. Good stuff, kisses, Ugh. love language. All right, so <laughs> no, but it's a uh, that's very kind of you to say, and I you know I want to acknowledge that, but it's um, you spend a lot of time. Yeah, it is a def- creating certainly these, a labor of love. You spend a lot of time creating these like scenarios, these environments, these ecosystems. Ha- you know, if you will. Um, yeah. in, in fact, I'm going to say this before we move on to our next segment, you have spent, I don't even know how many hours creating a two scale model of the prancing pony. Yes. From Lord of the Rings. That was awesome. It is. It took me like absol- 40 hours. It is absolutely beautiful. Man, it's I- incredible. I, I have fantasies about putting it in my tiny Christmas village. Yes. 
And you already said I could. Yes. It'll be so kind of out of whack. I'm going to make but... a Christmas village. Because I love, I've always, I've always fantasized about having like my own tiny Christmas village. And I, I finally found like a ton of them at a, at a um, garage sale. They cost like $90 a piece or something stupid or $50 a piece. And we got like eight pieces for $50 or $40, right? Yeah, it was was awesome. It was amazing. So anyway, I'm going to use this model that Bill has like poured blood, sweat, tears, and his soul into so that I can put it into a cute little Christmas village. Mm. It's going to happen. So I'm okay with that. All um, right, so I like it. (laughs) Back on on track here. Oh, sorry. So I like... uh, you know, I enjoy, like you had pointed out, I enjoy making the terrain. I enjoy creating these areas. And, you know, it's just kind of cool. If anything else, like all the other nerdy, like, tabletop games that I play, Lord of the Rings is probably the most recognizable and accessible one for... If you're going to get anyone to play games, the way, at least the games that I play, like, that's the one to do. Nost- like they can nostalgia. Connect. Yeah, they can connect movies. Hey, it's right here in front of me. That's cool. I can get past that whole, like, this is way too nerdy for me to bear. (laughs) Exactly, right? Because everybody really, truly, like, even people who have no connection to um, anything, you know, fantasy or, you know, science-y or whatever, science fiction, fantasy, like, even if you have no connection to any of that stuff, you'll at the very least recognize Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Right, and, and so a that's a it's a good movies, segue. So. Criticisms. Mm. Um, I don't enjoy the fact of how expensive the models have gotten over the years. Mm. I mean, I know that's uh, that's that's way over the heads of our of our one listener, um, but they are they are like they they are really expensive nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like I purchased all this crap myself when I was in high school with my shekels um, that, that I'd earned working in the summers. Now, it's almost prohibitively expensive, even for adults. Um, it does take a long-ass time to paint all these these bastards up, even with, like, a crappy paint job. Right, because they're super detail-oriented. <laughs> they're so small, right? Like, so you have to have a detailed eye. Yeah. And so this is, again, kind of uh, over the heads of most people. But so Games Workshop and most tabletop games or war game companies have moved to a new set of rules where it's like, Look, man, rather than consulting all these, like, batshit insane charts, here's your dice roll that you need. And they print it, like, right there, like, and they give, like, a card for each type of troop or whatever. So, hey, like, on a six-sided die, you roll a die, and if it says three plus, that means, like, hey, if you roll a dice, a six-sided die, and it's a three or higher, or a three, four, five, or six, good job. You did whatever the fuck you want to do. Otherwise, like, it fails, right? Whereas before and how we play, like there's like these charts and basically I have to memorize everything so that you just have to look at me and be like, all right, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. I'm going to run up and like bash this guy in the nuts with my sword. What do I need? And be like, okay, he's got a five, four. Oh, okay, he, you, you need a five. Okay, I want to ask you a super serious like truth or dare question. So you have to answer honestly. Okay. Have you ever cheated when you've said you need to get a three, four, five, or six. No. You swear. I swear. You swear on the... the. I swear on the grave of Pat, fucking Pappy. Oh, Pappy's our dog yeah. that we worshipped. Yeah, we okay. got Okay, all right, because there have been moments where I've been like, 
Because I've memorized... If, any, if anything, I have, like, fudged them in your favor. <laughs> okay. Then okay. Yeah. All right. Because there's been a few times where, like, I'll remember a rule. And I'm like, wait, I thought it was... I was supposed to get a four, five, or six on this roll. And you'd be like, no. oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. So it wasn't, like, you pretending to not know. You just, like, actually forgot what I was supposed to get. Yeah. Okay. I promise. I swear to God. I'm your husband. I'm your rock. I tell you what... Because of our next segment, you being my husband makes me less stressful. Oh. <laughs> I'm just um, kidding. So those those are the things I don't like. Generally, don't like about it. Um, I mean, I could go on a little bit. Oh, like the Hobbit movies. Like they have models for that. And okay, it's like, don't. Okay, I know everybody shits all over the Hobbit movies. Everybody's no, 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 like, no. oh, those are it's awful. Not, okay, and no. you know what? You know what? I see what people are saying. Okay, but that's where that's where my little comfy couch of nostalgia is. Okay, but that, so that's beyond the scope of my criticism, though. My okay. my my thing is like their Games Workshop has two branches of their services. One is like Games Workshop proper, where they make mass produce like these plastic miniatures and models to assemble and all that stuff. And then they have this place called For Forge World, and they they create resin models, which are highly detailed, highly sculpted, very beautiful miniatures. But they're super expensive to yeah. create and thereby, like, to purchase. To purchase, right. So they made the Hobbit series. Uh, of course. And, and made out of friggin' resin. So, like, to, Because you, they know. Yeah, like, all those. They know that the people like me will buy those. Because, like, mm. super duper nerds, like, think that the Hobbit sucked. Yes and no. Because, I, I mean, there's know. still, there's some, there's some, like, there's some like Peter Jackson apologists out there who were like, "No, the Hobbit was like totally fine. It's fine, you know. <laughs> what's wrong? With, what's wrong with seven hours of the say that again louder? No, it's fine. It's fine, you know. Like the Hobbit kicked ass. I, I love the Hobbit. <laughs> Peter fine. Jackson apologists. Yes. I am going to get a second PhD and become a, a Peter, Peter Jackson, Jackson apologist. apologist. Well, look no further than Stephen Kucharski because that's what he is. I love that man. <laughs> I love that man. I love his no, wife, and has, I love their sweet little baby. No, he has like pretty good criticisms of, of Sir Peter Jackson. Excuse me, I took his name in vain. Well, so, maybe maybe if anyway. we create an Instagram account and Stephen is willing to share it with us, he will send that picture That'd of himself amazing. shaking Peter Jackson's hand. Sir Peter Jackson. Sir Peter Jackson. So, anyway, the Hobbit, the Hobbit models. If you wanted to recreate like the Battle of the Five Armies, you would need like Jesus Christ. I don't okay, know, five thousand so, dollars. So, side note, because I, we need to move on. Yes, we're running a little behind you. I I know you guys can hear our neighbors' dogs barking outside. They are chihuahuas. They can't help themselves. The end. Um, we. All right. No so comment. End of the uh, end of the segment here. Um, so that's what I like about. It. That's what I don't like about it. And I like the last thing I like about it. Get to spend time with you. That's right. You yeah. get to spend time with little old me. Yeah, big time. All right, so on to the next segment. Murder. Murder. Okay, so here's what's going to happen, all right? Because all right, I have basically looked at a couple of sources and Murder. written, like, my own version of what's happened. So we're going to come back to that in just a second. Okay, so mm. now... We are on to the part of our podcast where we talk about a murder, okay? 
Now, this one's going to be a little bit different in the sense that it's not technically a murder, uh, but it's really just a story about a badass bank robber. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. yeah. All, right. All right. So I would like to interject, though, that for Forevermore from this series, okay, that I view these little snippets of murder like a cheap margarita. Interesting. Please elaborate. So the way that I think it was like, I'm not going to gain anything from these. You're not going to get... Okay. Yeah, okay. like I'm not going to gain anything from these. In fact, I may be even a little worse off after hearing them. <laughs> but they go down e- But they go down easy and they're tasty. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they're... They, they they taste pretty, pretty good. Yeah, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, so but you might be paying for them later. Yeah, exactly. So in Okay, so dreams. but for me, but for me, these are like black tar heroin that like <laughs> send me on like the greatest of highs oh, like down a, the river sticks, my yeah, friend. Yeah, Valhalla down the river sticks. Ooh! baby yes okay. so i love true crime so anyway right. let's jump in shall we so basically what i've done is i've read an article from texas monthly which is like if you don't live in texas texas monthly is like a really awesome magazine uh but i read an article from um is it published Oh, constantly constantly once a month once a month monthly it's called texas monthly shut up bill okay All right. I've had enough of you. You and your sass. Okay. So Texas Monthly. So I read an article and um, I've listened to podcasts about this character known as Cowboy Bob. All right. So I'm going to tell you the story of Cowboy Bob. And this is in my own words. So if I fuck anything up, if I get stuff wrong, if I'm paraphrasing for sure. Right. And like while I was also like pulling from actual sources i was also um like pulling from my memory so please just take this for a story right like don't don't come right send me an email or write to me and be like you missed this up it was in 1993 that whatever anyway okay so here we go are you ready yeah i'm fucking jazzed all right in may of 1991 in an american federal bank in irving texas a man walks in kept his head down he had a big gray beard large dark sunglasses and a cowboy hat on it's nothing out of the ordinary right it's texas Uh, yeah cowboy hat where's irving uh it's outside it's like fort worth dallas for dfw area i to be honest with you i've lived in texas my entire life i cannot pinpoint the thousands of small towns outside of dallas Dallas, fort worth okay so he walks into a bank. He has a big gray beard, large dark sunglasses, cowboy hat. He didn't fidget. He didn't appear nervous. Okay. He walks up to the bank teller. He slips a note to the bank teller that reads, this is a bank robbery. Give me your money. No marked bills or die packs. Okay. The bank teller takes the money out, hands it to Cowboy Bob. He walks out. He calmly took the money, walks out of the bank, got into a 1975 two-door Pontiac Grand Prix. Okay. At that, We didn't know it was that at the exact time, but that's what he gets into. Gets into a car. He gets into a car, and he slow, slowly pulls out of the parking lot. Like, he just pulled money out of the bank. He slowly, he just, like, 
backs out of the parking lot and just like drives away. Wow. He didn't run any red lights. He didn't peel out of the, the lot or anything to alarm passerbys. Okay. He just took what he wanted with everyone looking right at him. Okay. After several more robberies, just like that. What? Are you fucking kidding me? Yes. I'm not joking. <laughs> what? The, Cowboy Bob does this over and over and over again. Okay. Oh. After several more robberies, it gets so much more badass than this. Okay? okay. After several more robberies that were pretty much the exact same crime, right? The same MO, the FBI gets involved, right? Because there's just like this guy that's running around like Dallas, just, just robbing fucking banks. <laughs> just, just passively they taking couldn't. money. The, That's the so, definition and of literally, passive income right there. The, that is passive income. <laughs> so the FBI gets involved, involved and they couldn't even catch the guy. Okay? They were struggling to catch this guy, okay? No, the not. first time the FBI watches the bank surveillance footage from that first bank robbery from the American Federal Bank, they assumed they were dealing with a very experienced and seasoned bank robber because he didn't make any mistakes. Right? Like, he kept his head down. He didn't fidget. He didn't look nervous. He didn't even use a weapon. No wow. weapons. He pulled out of the parking lot calmly. Like, it looked like a guy pulling money out of the bank. So he kept getting away with it over and over and over. Right? Mm. So, in May of 1992, he, he robbed $5,300 from the nation's bank in Mesquite, Texas. Okay? This is probably my favorite part of the whole story. Okay. Right? So he, he goes in. The teller uh, thought he was being clever, or he or she. I don't know if the teller was male or female. Uh, the bank teller thought they were being clever and tried to slip a dye pack into the money bag. Like, like ooh, I'm going to catch this motherfucker. Yeah. Right? But Cowboy Bob takes the bag, calmly pulls out the dye pack, and without skipping a beat, just slid the dye pack right back across to the counter to the teller and was like, you know, thanks. I'm good. Wow. Can you believe that? Just like, bitch, I saw that. Right? <laughs> okay. So I want to read you now. This is from the Texas Monthly article. Okay. And it's from The Last Ride of Cowboy Bob. That's the title of the article. All right. Okay. Well, I know how it goes then. The Last Ride of Cowboy Bob? You don't know how it goes yet. Trust me. Okay. Well, I mean, eventually, clearly he gets caught. Yeah, okay. That's I mean, stupid. come on. We wouldn't know this story if he never got caught. That was stupid of me to say. Yeah. Correct. Anyway, in September of 1992, Cowboy Bob robbed the first Gibraltar bank in Mesquite. of uh, Robbed them of $1,700, right? So not a lot of money. Police officers roared up their squad cars, followed about 10 minutes later by several vehicles filled with FBI, FBI agents, right? Because they're still trying to catch Cowboy Bob. Okay. They tracked the license plate on Cowboy Bob's car to a Mesquite resident because somebody actually saw the license plate and was like, ooh, I, write, I wrote it down. So they track it to a Mesquite resident who predictably went outside to his driveway to find his license plate. His license plate was missing. So basically, Cowboy Bob was stealing license plates mm -hmm. and putting them on his car, right? Yeah, nice. Then, while agents were wrapping up their investigation at First Gibraltar, a call came in that Mesquite's first bank, uh, first interstate bank about a mile away. So two robberies within like a fucking hour. Okay? <laughs> Cowboy Bob's a badass, all right? Uh, about a mile away had just been robbed by a man in a beard, a cowboy hat, a leather coat, and gloves, all right? he And he had hit the jackpot, escaping with, 
Are you ready for this? In 1991, okay. $13,706. Wow, that's like $24,000 in today's money. In in 91. In an hour. Yeah, that's great. Okay, have you ever made that much money in an hour? Maybe. I don't Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> No. All right, this this is probably also one of my favorite parts. He was so pleased, the teller said, that he gave her a kind of salute as he left, tipping his hat with a gloved hand. <laughs> I'm sorry, so badass. That's awesome. He's like, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> I'll, buy, I'll, I'll buy you, ma'am. Okay, all right, so this is back. That was from Texas Monthly. Here's back to me. So we're going to, it's going to get, okay. it's going to go really fast. After five successful robberies, Cowboy Bob went to rob a sixth bank. But this time he made a mistake. A witness was able to write down the license plate number, and this time the car was traced back to a man named Pete Tallis, who worked at Ford Auto Body Parts, uh, Ford Auto Body Parts factory outside of Dallas. The FBI went to speak with Pete, and basically he said, Yeah, that's my car, but I gave it to my sister and my mother a year ago. The FBI said, well, that car was just used in a bank robbery. And he said, and I quote, bullshit, that car can't go fast enough. <laughs> okay. Oh, All right. Man. Yeah. So, so the was F- that in the paper? That is, yes. Oh, that's amazing. That is a quote. God, I love Texas. That, I love Texas too, right? <laughs> uh, so anyway, so what ends up happening is that the FBI... Like, go to talk to his sister. They have to go where the leads take them, right? So he goes to talk to their his sister yeah. and his mother, who he gave the car to. Mm-hmm. And they live in this apartment complex outside of Fort Worth, the, the DFW area. Yeah. And so when the FBI shows up, they see the car in the parking lot of the apartment complex. And they're like, oh, shit. Like, this is it. We're, we found Cowboy Bob. Right. But as they're approaching the car, they notice that a woman in a t-shirt and shorts like starts walking towards the car to like unlock it and they're like "Ooh, this must be cowboy bob's girlfriend or like some sort of yeah like it must be his girlfriend right and they're like hey so we need to talk to you like can we like come in and like search your apartment and she's like absolutely like come on in uh her name's peggy joe and so they go into peggy joe's apartment and like it's just like an old lady in this apartment with this like middle-aged woman like there's so like it seems like what the heck have we just found right and they're looking around the apartment they're talking to her and they're like you know this car was like you know a a, used in a bank robbery and she's you know like i don't know what you're talking about and they're like does do any men live here are there any men that you associate with are there any men that you like you friend or you know and she's like Literally, I have no idea. Like, I've never been around men. I don't spend time around men. Like, whatever. Um, and they're, like, about to leave the apartment. Okay? okay. Right. And legit, this is what happens. They're looking around. And then in her closet, in Peggy Joe's closet, they see a cowboy hat, a fake beard on a mannequin. Yeah. And they're, like, what, what the hell are these things? They're like, what are these things? And she's like, they're just costumes. And and then they're like talking to her and they're like pressing her on like the, the, the this cowboy hat and the leather jacket and gloves and stuff and the and the fake beard. And then all of a sudden like a detective like starts talking to her and legit, 
he notices that she has mustache glue on her oh, fucking face. Nailed it. Get the fuck out. Yeah. So <sighs> Peggy Joe Tallis was Cowboy Bob the entire time. Her name is Peggy Joe Tallis? That's correct. God, that's a Texan name. And wouldn't you believe it? There's more to this story, but I'm going to tell it real fast. Okay. So Peggy Joe has been robbing the crap out of the DFW area um, for like two years or like a full year, right? So anyway, she ends up going to jail. Mm -hmm. She goes to prison for like three years, all right? She's arrested in 1992. She pled guilty to bank robbery and went to prison for almost three years. So so nothing happens between 1995 and 2005. Mm -hmm. But in May of 2005... She robs another bank in Tyler, Texas. Okay, like literally the co- like the the they there's a nine one one call and they're like some six year old lady just walked in and like just <laughs> took a took a ton of money from us. With what? Dentures. Okay, that is the funny thing about Peggy Joe. She never used a weapon. She legit just walked into every single bank and just said, "Give me all of your money." She never had a weapon. Ever. So, like, that makes me think, like, can I just, like, walk into any bank and just be like, give me all your money, and they're just going to fucking do it? Yeah, they'll probably, like, click a button. She never had a weapon. She never flinched. She was never nervous. She just, like, was, like, this expert bank robber from birth, apparently. So, anyway, in her 60s, right, in May of 2005, she robs another bank, and the cops are like, oh, boy, Peggy's back at it. So, and after she robs this bank. Yeah. She wants to head down to Mexico, right? Because Peggy Joe's always been like like a desperado. Like she just wants to like like live out her life on a beach, like Bohemian style. So okay. she was like, I'm gonna do this one last job and I'm gonna My drop. mom's my mom's dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she's like, I'm just gonna go I'm gonna go down to Mexico and just like live out the rest of my life. So she does this one last job. She gets in her 20-foot frontier RV with purple window frames. Yes. So super stealthy. She gets in this RV. She starts driving south. Okay. Of course, the cops start tailing her. They chase her into a neighborhood. Okay. And they think there's like a whole team of like dudes inside this RV and that grandma is just like facilitating this robbery. Right. It's like Ocean's 14 and she's like, she's George Clooney. Here. And I just want you guys to imagine this for a moment. She she knows she's cornered, right? Okay. She this is the most badass bitch I think I've ever heard of in my entire life. Okay. She go she gets up, she's in her RV, right? So she goes and gets up and goes and sits at the table, right? That's in all RVs. She starts playing solitaire and she legit has like 30 cops with guns drawn at her RV. Right? Okay. Because they've cornered her now, right? They know it was her that committed this robbery so she gets up she starts playing solitaire because she's like trying to figure out what she's gonna do and she's like i'm not going back to fucking jail so she goes and gets a toy gun that she has and she pokes her head out and she's like what's gonna happen if i come out and they're like you know or what's gonna happen if i come out with a weapon they're like please don't do that please don't do that we just want to end things amicably we want to like resolve this whatever Peggy Joe Tallis, like a badass bitch, 
is just like, fuck this shit. I'm not going back to jail. She walks out, aims her toy gun at the cops, and commits suicide. Death by cop. Wow. Blazing. Ugh. Out in a blaze of glory, Peggy Jo Tallis. That woman, like Bonnie, the ultimate Bonnie. We don't need no Clydes. <laughs> Can you believe that? I know I told you the entire story and there was like the a segment was supposed to be like, you're supposed to guess what happens at the end. But I've literally never heard a story like that. So I was just like, I want to tell this entire story. So what do you think? I feel like I just drank a cheap margarita that had like all the alcohol at the bottom of the drink. It's Texas, baby. <laughs> that, that was Texas. <laughs> like I got a Peggy Joe Tallis, may she rest in peace. Like I know I'm not going to sleep well tonight and I got a bad taste in my mouth. That's how I feel. <laughs> I think it's the cool one of the coolest stories I've ever heard in my entire yeah, life. That's badass. So badass. And and if you want to know more about Peggy Jo Tallis, just Google her. She's actually like, she was, I, I mean, arguably like, yeah, okay, she committed crimes, but she was a good person. She never wanted to hurt anyone. She was just this like, like, I would, like, she was Cowboy Bob. She was the embodiment of Cowboy Bob. So that's oh. the end of our story. And thank you guys for joining us for another week of Bored to Death. Bored to Death. <laughs> See y'all next time. <laughs>